guys, it's Britt Dowd, and welcome to the Lawn Care Leaders Podcast, where every week we bring you episodes to positively and intentionally impact not only your business, but your leadership, communication, and personal life. Yes, we talk about mowers, fertilizer, and irrigation, but we put an emphasis on growing you as a leader and growing your business skills. We do this through interviews with other small business owners, growth segments where we dive deep on a micro business topic, and documented episodes from our own seven-figure business, Green Again Lawn. All right, lawn care leaders, turn your headphones up. It's time to get back at it. All right, guys, welcome back. We appreciate you joining us today. I am thrilled to be joined by Dan Shiplove of Permagreen. The guy's been with Permagreen for a little over 11 years now. I think he is going to be hitting his 12th year sometime this coming fall. Dan is the director of sales over at Permagreen, and we're just going to get a chance to hear his story, learn from his perspective and how he kind of got into the lawn care industry in the first place and why he is with Permagreen. So stay tuned, guys, because this is going to be a fun talk and we're going to hear both his story, the owner, Tom Jessen's story, and then hear about their products and what they have coming down the pipe. So want to introduce to you Dan Shiplove. How are you doing, Dan? Uh, good, Britt. Doing all right. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'm excited to, uh, yeah, share my story and talk a little bit about Permadream. And I'm I'm excited too. I'm excited. I I love this industry, but I, I especially have a heart and a passion for fertilizing and weed control and and everything that comes with that. So I, it's really a pleasure for me to have you on, and and I know that our audience is going to love this as well. So why don't why don't you just give our audience a little bit of background on who you are, where you're from, where you guys live currently, and your family. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. For right now, um, I'm actually working from home. Everyone at uh, the offices at Permagreen uh, are working from home ever since everything kind of uh, went off there last March. And then uh, we do have our production guys and our shipping guys working at the shop there. But we're in Valparaiso, Indiana. It's northwest Indiana. Uh, it's uh, fairly close to Chicago. I don't know if you know where South Bend is, but it's kind of in between Chicago and South Bend. I do. But, I do. Uh, yeah, I actually yeah. I grew up in Connorsville, Indiana. So we used to we used to play ball in Indianapolis, South Bend, Fort Wayne. So I, I've still got family out there. Oh yeah, yeah. And I actually I lived in uh, Indy. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Broad Ripple area. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I lived there for a couple years. Actually, me and uh, some buddies were in a, a band, and uh, after college, uh, we. We got a house and uh, rented a house in Broad Ripple and played shows and stuff. It was a, it was fun. It was a nice transition uh, from from college life going to the real world there. So, yeah, 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 that's fun, man. But, that's really fun. Well, what about what about your family? So you guys are in, in the Valpo area now. Are you married? Kids? Anything like that? Yes, I have a, a wife and two beautiful daughters. And uh, uh, my daughter is my daughter's six. She just uh, She's in the midst of uh, first grade right now. And then my two-year-old, who uh, actually just woke up from a nap, uh, she's, uh, we're all living together here in Valpo. And yeah, it's been, it's been nice, you know, working from home and being able to, uh, 
you know, be close to my family. I know it, it was a little bit of an adjustment period, getting used to that, starting out and just your work life and home life combining like that. But, you know, once we kind of got our uh, feet under us and kind of learned how to operate here, it was it's nice having the, the family so close. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is nice. And, uh, that is yeah, nice. my wife has, has been great, too. I mean, uh, she helps out quite a bit with just taking care of the kids and yep. you know sometimes I feel that way with like life beyond work and just be you know wandering around aimlessly if it wasn't for her she could, she could, keeps me grounded and gives me a lot of good direction there so she's been great through this uh, transition but very cool man very cool well well shout out to your wife what's her name uh, Renee Renee yeah. Shiplove Renee, mm-hmm. well, shout shout out to Renee, and it's re- really nice to to hear successful people brag on their spouses, and especially uh, especially on here because you can so quickly jump into just straight business talk. But when you boil it down, you know, behind behind every great man's success is a is a is a woman that's propping him up and helping him in the background. So that's very cool. Shout out mm-hmm. to shout out to Renee. All right, well, tell us a little bit about your story before Permagreen. And how you were in this industry, what you were doing, and kind of just give us chronologically all the way up until you met uh, Tom Jessen, owner of Permagreen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of grew up in the lawn care industry uh, in the sense that my, my father, uh, Pete Chiplove, uh, he actually owned a lawn care company. And uh, coincidentally enough, it was called Permagreen, the lawn care company. Seriously. And, uh, yeah. And I'll explain that. That's an interesting story that'll tie into the, the origin of Permagreen, the equipment company. Wow. So, uh, but yeah, I've always been around it. You know, I worked, uh, I helped out with my dad's company on, in summers, uh, between high school and college. And I did mostly a lot of aerating mostly. Um, but you know, some fertilization, we control type of job there. So I always had kind of my uh, my hand in it, and uh, then I graduated college. And uh, when I came out of college, as I was mentioning before, moved down to Indy, had some sales jobs. But uh, my dad's company up in Northwest Indiana, Permagreen, ended up doing business in Indy. So I ended up working for Permagreen, the Permagreen branch in Indy. And started going full time with uh, with lawn care. You know, we I managed some crews. You know, I did a lot of production starting out, and uh, you know, got more and more of a feel for the lawn care industry. And you know, that I've actually got was at a point where we made that transition from pulling hose and, and pushing a push butter to using the permagreen. So I've actually seen that transition, and that's been really helpful for me. You know, being able to speak uh, to the capabilities of the permagreen machine, yeah. you know, being able to see that. And you got a lot of guys out there who are, uh, you know, looking to make that jump to ride on from pulling the hose and pushing mm-hmm. the push butter. Yep. And so it, it's been nice to be able to speak to that. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's nice to be able to relate. You know, you're you're not just speaking about theory and trying to push a product you have nothing, you know, no experience with. You you have practical application with these with these products. So so real quick, I just want to make sure that I, I I reference back to the other location. So your your dad started another location in Indy. Is that what I was hearing? Is that correct? 
Right, yeah. You so based how, out of Valparaiso, but moved to Indy. Okay, so did it, it moved there, or did or did you, he actually start a second location? Well, it expanded to Indy. So, yeah, he, he kept the location up in uh, Valparaiso mm-hmm. and then added that second location in Indy. So, wow. so he, had, he, had a pretty good, he had a pretty good operation going. And what, what year was this? Uh, this was back in the early 2000s. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, he did, he did real well. I mean, as far as Northwest Indiana was concerned, you know, he made a really good name for himself because, yeah. I mean, he was getting to the point where, you know, above the million dollar marker there, yeah. you know, kind of knocking on $2 million. And how many, yeah, how many, he, how many clients was each location servicing? Uh, well, he was servicing upwards of two to 3,000. He had wow. two or 3,000 accounts. Wow. And then when we went down to Indy, when the Permagreen started in Indy, uh, they were doing a lot of commercial accounts. I remember they actually uh, got some commercial accounts for Brickman. So Brickman uh, subcontracted them to do the turf apps for, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those high-profile accounts, yeah. uh, you know, like Keystone Commons and that north side of uh, Indy there where you got Carmel and you got Zionsville yeah. and a lot of just nicer upscale areas like yeah. that. So A lot of people don't know it, about Carmel, Indiana either. I mean, Indy in general, I mean, Indy has a lot going on right now as, as far as manufacturing, big manufacturing companies. And there are little pockets like Carmel where you're just like, man, this is, this looks like paradise out here. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of money in uh, Carmel and a lot of those suburbs around Indy and, uh, you know, which made turf application so much more important, you know, it was yeah. so, so crucial to keep up the curb appeal of those high profile areas and, you know, keep up with the kind of the upscale nature of those, those neighborhoods. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. So, so you were, you were running a couple crews, helping your dad grow scale and, and kind of run operations for him there out of Indy. How did your dad exit the company and, and what did that transition look like for him? How, how old was he when he did transition? Well, and uh, to add another little wrinkle to it, my my dad, uh, Pete Chiplove, he he actually ended up working for Permagreen, and uh, yeah, I worked alongside with him eventually. But he decided to uh, pass the business along to his brother, mm-hmm. his name uh, Walter Chiplove, mm-hmm. and he started working for Tom uh, at Permagreen, and he worked there about uh, two or three years before I started working there. And, um, you know, I think he, he just got to that point where, you know, he wanted to get out of owning a business and slow down a little bit. So um, I think that was the main thrust of why he uh, ended up getting out of it. And, you know, I think uh, my brother was very, uh, very eager to take it over. He had a lot of ideas. And so that was kind of a amicable split there. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it was nice too, because, you know, he, he helped me along with, um, uh, you know, a transition to getting into, uh, working with Permagreen Lawn Care Company and selling, uh, selling equipment. So, yeah, uh, I was definitely grateful to, to have along that process. Awesome. Awesome. So, so then what next for you? So we kind of have a, a, a picture painted for, how you got into lawn care and helping your dad and your, your, uh, I guess it would have been his, your uncle 
kind of came on board and then and then what next for for you and how did you kind of meet up with the other permagreen and I, I do want to get back to the name too if you could address that quickly because i'm afraid our listeners will keep getting confused so your dad had a company called permagreen and then you started working for it and it was just a lawn care company and then you mm-hmm. phased out of that and into something else and eventually worked for what is now well known widely as the equipment manufacturer permagreen mm-hmm. yeah and that was the uh as far as permagreen the lawn care company uh that was Tom, Justin, and I'll just go into the, kind of the origin story and then I could go back to uh, how I started, uh, how I came to working for Permagreen, the equipment company. Uh, Tom, Justin uh, was, did lawn care or started doing lawn care with uh, back in the 70s. Back, I think it was 1973, he started right, right when uh, lawn care was starting to, to blossom. And, you know, you start, you had Kim Lawn starting to become more popular, you know, and he was in, he was in Northwest Indiana and that all kind of started in, in Ohio. So during the seventies that started expanding through the Midwest and eventually came to Indiana. And, uh, Tom kind of saw this as an opportunity to, you know, get out in front of it and, and start developing this, uh, lawn care industry in Northwest Indiana. Um, so him and his partner, um, they were doing lawn care for, it was about 10 years. And, uh, he got to the point where he found a, a real need for different equipment in the lawn care industry. And he saw this trend of, of high volume and bigger is better in the lawn care industry. These guys were, you know, go to these shows and they would have, these gigantic trucks and these gigantic tanks and they were spraying, you know, five, six gallons per thousand. And he looked at that and he saw kind of already the stuff he was experimenting with, with uh, low volume uh, spray. And he just thought he could do it better. So he started playing around with low volume systems, started spraying at a thousand or uh, about a gallon per thousand and finding that he was getting effective results. And he looked at it like, if I can uh, get lower volume and effective results, I can get have smaller tanks, I have smaller pickups, I can have smaller transport setups. You know, I, I mean, this is the way to go. I mean, this is going to make it more efficient out there for lawn care guys. So I think it was about 1983, he ended up actually splitting off from his partner partner took over Permagreen, the lawn care company. And then uh, he started Permagreen Supreme, which was the equipment uh, company and actually supplied equipment to Permagreen, the lawn care company. And I think that was a little, a little nod Permagreen Supreme. You, you threw that little Supreme in there to say, <laughs> they're kind of like, eh, well, I'm going to do things a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, then he started developing uh, the fiberglass tanks. He started developing, the injection uh, spray system to where as far as guys spraying down their liquid fertilizer, having like an injection element to it to where they can inject uh, weed control as they go along there. So that was one of his uh, uh, projects that he was working on. And uh, yeah, from there he, he got into 
Uh, he, he developed his uh, company pretty pretty thoroughly in regards to the spray tanks and creating a more compact type setup and using the low volume spray system. But uh, in the 90s, he started playing around with the um, like the ride on sprayer spreader um, type concept. And for all practical purposes, Tom was the creator of that concept there. So, um, you know, when he started taking this machine to shows, which is a much jankier version than what he has now, uh, you know, it's one of those things where everybody was kind of scoffing and laughing at him, like, oh, you can't do uh, applications with that machine. Like, you know, you need to, you need to use a hose and push better. And, uh, you know, soon enough, you know, he started getting people out and especially the East Coast. East Coast started gravitating to this ride-on. Hmm. And, um, you know, he, he put together a factory out in uh, Maryville, Indiana, here in Northwest Indiana. And, you know, it just bit by bit started growing. And uh, next thing you know, you know, you got uh, companies like True Green that are, you know, asking about this ride-ons. And, yeah, he, he it's kind of become what it is today. I mean, now, as you know, with when it comes to any company that's doing turf applications, it's a staple, you know, it's a, you yeah. got to have it. Yeah. And, um, and, and sorry know, to interject here, Dan, cause I, 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 this is such a great story and I want to, I want to make sure I fill any gaps in that our listeners may have. So, so, so Tom Jessen was really the, the first mover for ride on spreaders, ride on spray tanks and, and about what time, cause it's really cool to hear the pushback from the industry and I can completely picture it in my mind because my father-in-law has been in the industry for a very long time as well. And he tells me, you know, the quote unquote, good old days went back when, mm -hmm. you know, clients came easy and came running willingly and they were spraying out of what looked like a septic tank. And they were doing three, four gallons per thousand mm -hmm. with, with different products. And, and, and you didn't see a weed for, for months. And so it's just, I can just completely picture you know, him showing up with whatever, you know, the GIE Expo or whatever was going on at the time and, and getting pushback. So I want to know, like, what, what time frame was this and kind of what, what did he have to overcome? Because no matter what you say, at, at some level, stuff resonates with you. And was there ever a time when, when Tom was like, ah, oh, man, maybe, maybe there isn't a need for this. And so I, I guess my, my question is twofold is what was the time frame? What did he have to push back against would be my next question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think with, uh, you know, this time frame when he started uh, introducing the, the write-on sprayer spreader, and, uh, you know, I think it started with uh, just being a write-on uh, spreader versus a sprayer, and then, you know, about a year into it or so, he, he wanted to incorporate the sprayer. He kind of learned that, you know, why wouldn't you add this sprayer element to it? All the lawn care companies out there are doing these type of applications. They're doing fertilization. They're doing weed control applications. Why wouldn't I try and incorporate both of these? Um, but this was uh, this was about the uh, mid '90s is when he came to this and uh, this conclusion that uh, or this kind of realization that he felt like he could make this work and. You know, I think there's an element to what he first started with to what we have now. I mean, they're saying that element of philosophy of 
one machine, all properties being able to spread and spray at the same time. I mean, that, that was right from the get go. He had that, that concept nailed down, you know, that's what he wanted to do. Uh, Cause he realized that was going to make these lawn care guys the, the most efficient, but yeah, I mean, as far as the pushback was concerned, I mean, it was, it was just having the guys out there wrap their head around it. All the lawn care guys out there wrap their head around it because I mean, just like any other product out there uh, that's been successful, I mean, that's how it always starts out. People, it starts out getting laughed at. It starts out getting questioned. It starts out people saying it can't be done. And, um, you know, just like uh, all the all the other products like that, uh, the, the Permagreen machine was uh, went through the, that same process of people just not really seeing the big picture, not really seeing what he saw as far as what he could do uh, with with a machine like that. Very cool. Very cool. I appreciate you giving us a little more detail. What about what about the evolutions of it? What, what was one of the big changes that it went to market and there, people were loving it, but they were like, hey, well, you know, it, it would be better if this. What, what were some mm-hmm. of the big iterations of the machine itself? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, I think... You, you, for a while there, there was the uh, capacities um, request there. A lot of people wanted bigger capacities. And um, that's something that, that came along with it. You know, I think starting out, um, he was, you know, like four or five gallons as far as the spray tank. It had a, you know, just using a, a 50 pound hopper out there as far as doing the spreading. Um, so that was a request he heard uh, quite a bit. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as the, the feedback goes, I mean, you still get that today. I mean, everybody's kind of got their own ideas and, and, uh, uh, feedback or thoughts of what they can do to the machine and improve on it. But, uh, that was the main one that he ran into out there. I mean, there was a lot of, of course, kinks to work out, you know, when it came to the, uh, uh, to just developing the machine. I mean, they, he never really put a machine into full official production. I mean, it was like the first two years or so to where, you know, he had, he had like a, an actual system or like a, um, a production line where everything was uniform and everything was going to be a certain way. You know, he did things on a real test market basis and, you know, he's a very generous guy. And, uh, he has a lot of integrity. And I think there was a lot of times where he would get a machine out there to like, let's say a lawn care guy out in New Jersey, and they would be having maybe some sort of issue or uh, the machine just wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And, you know, he would just send out a new machine. He'd be like, all right, we'll pick up the old one. We'll send you out a new one and you can carry on business. And that was, and that's the thing back in the day, he didn't exactly you know, have money to throw around, but he knew that was the right thing to do. And, you know, I think Tom still has, has an element of that to this day. I mean, he's yeah. just a, a good guy and he, he's, he's an honorable guy and he'll, he'll back up his product. That's really cool. That's really cool. It, it, it's cool to hear the, the personal values and the stuff that correlates to, I mean, I'm sure that bleeds into the culture today and those are the standards that you guys want to uphold. You know, a lot of times young guys or guys that are just starting out, they look at companies like that and you think 
you know, maybe they just infused a bunch of capital or somehow cheated or daddy gave them some money to start. And so it's nice to hear, it's nice to hear a company of your size and, and the humble beginnings and the, and the giving spirit and the character traits first and, uh, mm-hmm. the, the growth and value add that comes with that. So very cool. Well, let's, let's park the, the permagreen spreader, put it on, put it on idle for a second, hop off and you and I go and finish chatting about, about your story and how you got involved mm-hmm. with permagreen and, and towards the end, we'll, we'll circle back around and, and talk more product base and value add for LCOs, but let's park it and then pick back up with your story. If you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, actually, uh, my story, uh, as far as my origin with permagreen back in, it was 2009 and, uh, I was working for in permagreen, the lawn care company. And I actually had to make a stop off at, uh, the shop at permagreen spring equipment company to get some parts. And when I got there, uh, picked up my parts and I was heading out the door and uh, I saw Tom, started chatting him up a little bit, talking to him. And he said, hey, why don't you um, hop on this machine? We're kind of, we're developing a new machine, a new model, and you know, I'd like to get your feedback on it. Uh, and this machine was actually the, the Permarine Triumph, which, you know, was later launched in, in 2010, the, the predecessor to the, uh, the Permagreen Magnum. So I got on the machine and, you know, I really started putting through its paces and I found the nearest slope and hill and rough terrain. And I started going crazy, doing all these crazy turns. And and I'm sure I made Tom super nervous, but, um, (laughs) you know, he, he noticed that I was doing things that, you know, his production guys that were testing out the machine weren't doing. Yeah. I mean, they're just taking, uh, you know, little, figure eights on flat surfaces and stuff, but you saw that like, Hey, look, this is what, you know, lawn care guys are doing out there. You know, they're, they're really uh, taking it to some rough and tumble areas. They're, they're on slopes, they're on tight areas and, you know, they're going to, they're going to beat it up. So he saw that and he said, Hey, why don't, uh, why don't you come back tomorrow afternoon and, you know, just keep riding the machine really, you know, kind of stress test it. And I was like, well, yeah, that's good. That's kind of my uh, area of expertise there, stress testing machines. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, I just spent more and more time doing this, helping them out, giving them feedback, you know, running the machine, kind of giving it the durability test. And one thing led to another, and he, he hired me on as, uh, I mean, initially a salesperson, but one thing that Tom was really good at was having his employees uh, getting other facets of the business, whether it's production, like he had me doing sub assemblies for the machine. He had me doing some shipping. He had me doing some customer service. I mean, just all different facets of the company. And, uh, eventually, you know, it eventually merged into, uh, being sales and doing sales and helping out with the marketing. But, that's, um, that's, awesome, that's been I'm, really, so I'm, I'm curious, good. Dan, like in the back of your mind as, as you're working for, at that time, I think it was still your dad's company, and you're going and testing out Tom Jessen's machine. In the back of your mind, did you have did you have a passion to go and start to work for this for this startup, or was it just pure curiosity? Because it's interesting that you know you had another job. Yes, you are in the industry, so this is kind of a cool, unique machine. But a lot of guys might not have the wherewithal to go back and continually 
test a product and give feedback mm-hmm. or, you know, we're all busy. We all have a, we all have mm-hmm. a job. And so did you see the opportunity? Did you see the growth or were you just so curious that that's what continued to draw, draw you back? Cause that's, that for me is like the, the intersection point you could have, you could still be working for another company or started your own lawn care company, but the, the curiosity and just whatever happened in those moments where you went back and test drove it, I, I would like you to give a little, a little more, maybe depth to that. Cause that, that's, that's mm-hmm. super intriguing to me. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I, I looked at it as like an exciting opportunity. I thought, um, I mean, at the time in, in 2009, um, Green the lawn care company was, uh, doing pretty well. I mean, there were, you know, a national brand, they're a big company and, um, you know, and I enjoyed doing lawn care, um, you know, and I enjoyed that, but I, I, I liked the idea of being more of a sales role and, you know, he, he kind of gave me the chance to be involved in like marketing and, um, and I felt like I had a lot to bring to the table. Uh, like we touched on before, like do, do actually doing the applications and with the machine that I'm selling is going to be such an advantage. And, um, you know, doing an office job and I, I mean, you know how, how lawn care is like, it's, you know, it's not always nine to five and, um, there can be a lot of uncertainty as far as seasonal stuff and that. And, um, you know, I was looking for something, uh, I guess, a little bit more regimented as far as the hours go and that too, on top of everything else. But I, I just really liked the company. I really liked Tom and uh, I really liked his, his plan for me. And so that's what kind of brought me back to that. And um, it was just, uh, I, I felt, I felt good about it. Very cool, man. Very cool. I appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing that. So, so now Talk about your your kind of climb through the the ladder there within Permagreen, and then discuss what you're doing now, what your role is currently. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it, I mean, I started out with uh, doing sales uh, pretty pretty soon after I started. You know, I went through the process. It was probably about a, a year where I was kind of rotating on jobs, whether it was sub assemblies or shipping. Still getting in the office, making phone calls. And, um, you know, when it came to a sales job, you kind of get, get just kind of thrown to the wolves. It's like, okay, well, we want you to call this person and we want you to sell a machine. And that was kind of Tom's approach to it. Like, you know, you de- de- kind of develop your own style as far as selling goes. But that was, that was my approach was that I was going to speak, um, as if I was a lawn care guy, cause I was, and that's, that's what I knew. So eventually that kind of came easy to me to where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to talk to these guys about my experience. I'm going to tell them how the, the machine helped the business I worked in. And, you know, again, going back to making that transition from, from pulling hose and pushing the push butter to using the permagreen machine. Um, you know, it kind of, it kind of sold itself. And I was like, look, I've seen this firsthand. Yeah. I've seen this with the company, how they grew with the permagreen how they got the confidence to take on more accounts, how they're getting better results because they weren't relying on uh, walking speeds of guys out there and the benefits are exponential. I've seen it myself. So uh, once I kind of polished that a little bit, 
um, it, it started to, I started to flow and it started to become natural for me. And, um, I enjoyed helping people. I enjoyed, uh, helping people in the business grow. I, I believed in the product. So it was easy, you know, it was easy selling a machine that you believed in and actually seen transformative results. And so, um, with all of that, that considered, it was, it was just kind of a seamless growth as far as sales at Permagreen. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, that's really cool. And so, so now you're sitting at director of sales and I think it'd be cool. So we've got a, a, a great story of, of Permagreen's kind of origin story and, how you coincided with that and where the product, you know, came to fruition at. So what I want to know now is like, what is, what's next for Permagrain? It's kind of interesting looking at all the other companies that maybe started off as mower manufacturers or in some other segment of the industry. They're now doing their version of a, of a spreader sprayer, but it seems, Mm -hmm. it seems like you guys have, have stuck to your guns on quite a bit and there's, and I mean, and let you correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not a ton of competition with your specific machine. There's compact machines, but you know, I can think of maybe Spiker and Toro have smaller machines. The ones that I'm thinking of, you know, we run we run LT Rich Z sprays. There's real, uh, Steel Green out there, and then I think it's who is it uh, that is owned by uh, Billy Goat? Is it Toro? Or is it X Uh Well, there's a there's a Ferris machine. Ferris, yeah, uh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's the larger the larger machine. And so I, I'm just curious, kind of what what are you guys thinking about right now in terms of staying relevant and making sure that you guys are on the leading edge since you were one of the first movers in this industry. Hmm. Well, yeah. In, in regards to our our flagship product or really our main product, uh, the triumph sprayer spreader, uh, which again, we came out with in 2010. So we're going on, um, year 11 with the triumph and we've made improvements along the way, but it goes along with, with our philosophy. And, and to your point there, uh, there is kind of a, a niche as far as our machine goes in regards to, uh, the type of, uh, lawn care company and what kind of properties they do, they service. Um, you know, we've always taken that philosophy of one machine, all properties. So we have a lot of these, the lawn care companies that have a, do a lot of residential or have a mix of residential and commercial properties. Uh, we want to try and get the closest we can get to a one-stop shop in regards to our machine. So, Again, I mean, there was an element of that even back in, in the 90s when it came to the first uh, iteration of the write-on sprayer spreader, but we've just consistently improved on that as we went along. Um, with the Triumph in particular, uh, when we first developed that, uh, what we wanted to do was lower the profile, so it was better on hills, it wasn't as tippy, it was better on, on the rough terrain, just a more stable machine. And we did that, and then we've we've kind of improved things along the way in making it easier to handle. Uh, we developed the uh, the Permagreen Agitator, which the original agitator we had in the Triumph was like a Z-shaped, oscillating, Lesko-style agitator. But um, 
we felt like there was some room for improvement there to avoid clogging and getting a, a fuller spread. So we developed our own agitator, which is more of a claw shape, and has fingers that go inside those hopper holes, and it'll break up any sort of clumping and clogging you get with the fertilizer and keep everything flowing and get a nice full spread. And that's been a real success for us. I mean, you can actually, we have kits for those agitators that you can put on the Let's Go Push Butter. Oh, that's so nice. That's, uh, yeah, and that's, that's actually the same hopper mechanism, the Let's Go Hopper mechanism that we wow. have in the, the Triumph Sparish Butter. But I didn't know that. Little, that's, yeah, that's really cool. So, uh, And how much is that to add that to your push behind spreader? Uh, that's thirty nine ninety seven, so right around $40. But, um, yeah, I mean, pretty valuable when you think about it. I mean, I'm sure everybody that's uh, pushed to push better has had those moments where they start rattling that that hopper opener or, you know, I've I've done it myself where I've kind of, you know, ducked out in some woods and started, you know, slamming on that that hopper opener trying to get that that clog out and getting stuff flowing again. So, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And you yeah. get those, you get those wet days or it's set overnight or in certain type of products are more prone to it. You know, whenever you start getting prodiamine in there and other stuff, it can clog up pretty easy. So for $40, I mean the, the hassle and then the efficiency piece of you not having to go over and empty it out or clean it out each. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I love that. And I, I like how you're, you're kind of doubling down on the niche that you are in and mm-hmm. the, the one-stop shop approach or, Hey, we're going to, we're going to serve a, a client base that wants to do all properties at all times. And so maybe talk about that a little more. So, so there's a listener out there and he's thinking about it right now. He's trying to make mm-hmm. a decision between one machine or the other one. What, what guy is that? Is it, is it the guy that, that has 40 yards and not very many commercial properties? Or who is that? And, and why would he go with Permagreen versus somebody else? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we when I talk to anybody that's in that position that's looking into possibly purchasing a ride-on, um, you know, I have them take a look at their property sizes. And I think in a lot of cases, there are a lot of guys that, that do a lot of residential properties or um, do a uh, a mixed bag of commercial and residential properties. And I think a lot of people get into that right on market because they have that big property and they're just so sick of walking it and it's so so grueling and tiresome that they're, you know, they're going to look into a ride on. But um, I think if they look at a big picture and say, uh, well, yeah, you know, most of my properties are you know, in the one to 10,000 square foot range. And then I've, you know, some sports fields and some larger commercials and uh, the permagreen is going to fit that bill um, as far as everything. I mean, it spreads and sprays an acre in 15 minutes. So, you know, you're able to knock out the big stuff pretty easily. But I think the big advantage of the permagreen machine is in the smaller properties. I mean, especially if you, I know for the, the company that I work for, what we would try and do is just market the, the heck out of like a new subdivision, right? Mm-hmm. And we would offer referral programs, just trying to get as many uh, of those those properties, those guys signed on in a nice tight area. And that played right into the hands of the permitting machine. I mean, we were able to take the machine off the, off the rack, off the truck, 
and we were able to knock out four, five, six properties while staying on that machine, you know, in the matter of 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's when we were really making money. I mean, that's, the margins are so much better on the, the smaller properties anyway yeah. that, you know, I mean, the, the bigger properties are a nice, you know, feather in your cap, yeah. but, uh, you know, we, when it comes down to it, the residential properties are the, you know, the meat and potatoes and that's what's really going to make the money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it could run the gamut. It could be a large company that has a couple routes that are very dense with small small properties. Or it could be a guy just starting out. And maybe he has that one outlier that is a large property. But the, the vast majority is, like you said, one to 10,000 square foot properties. I think one objection that I would like to, to hear you combat that our listeners would have is, you know, what is how much liquid can it hold? And what is it calibrated at to get that acre? Because I, I think mm-hmm. for even for my company and people I talk to, that's one thing they say. Like, well, yeah, the, you know, the permagreen, it's it's nice to spread and then spot spray. But some of these mm-hmm. newer machines, they have more liquid capabilities. And so for companies out there that may be doing three, even four liquid applications per year, and in some places – you know, I've got I've got people and listeners like uh, I'm thinking of Nashville. Those guys are almost spraying year round. It's just easier. Mm-hmm. They're getting less callbacks. And so for those people, what, what would be your objection as to, hey, you know, the Purpagreen is still right for you. It does. Yes, it does spreading. I know you're doing a lot of liquid, um, but but here's why I think it can still fit your needs. Mm hmm. Well, and that's that's something that's the way out with. um you know, liquid versus granule. Um, you know, I mean, if there is a cost consideration, for example, uh, with like, let's say you know, it's more expensive for them to, to get granule versus liquid. And that's one of the reasons they go to it. You know, I think there's, if you again, look at the big picture with permagreen, uh, if it's going to make you be more productive out there, if you're going to be able to use it on all properties, you know, that might make up for that, that cost consideration there. Um, and I know, you know, not, uh, you know, granule versus liquid debate there, but you know, the granule can afford a lot of benefits versus liquid, like slow release, and um, you know, there can be opportunities out there, of course, to save some cost versus liquid. So that's something in, uh, you know they can take a look at. Um, now, as far as the capacity goes, it's 12 gallons on the permagreen. Uh, it's spraying at a quart per thousand, so you're covering uh, 48,000 square feet, so a little over an acre. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still, again, when it comes to the residential properties, if they have a lot of those four, five, six thousand square foot properties, I mean, you're still you're still knocking out five, six, seven properties before you have to fill up. Oh yeah, that's and beautiful. Staying more efficient out there. That's so. beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I'm thinking of areas like like Denver, Colorado, and where it's two to thirty five hundred square feet, and you're just banging out those postage stamp properties with a permagreen. That's awesome. Do you think that's why the East Coast took advantage of it first? Are they are they primarily smaller properties? Why why do you think in the beginning of permagreen the East Coast took advantage of the new setup before anybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, and like, and that's a a good question because you know I think that it's a possibility that you know that might have been uh, just where our marketing efforts were, 
And um, I think most likely Tom saw that, you know, there was, there was just more lawn care activity out east yeah. than there was, you know, maybe more in the Midwest or, or out west or down south or what have you. But um, I think that's just kind of where, where we started, yeah. you know, as far as, uh, you know, our efforts go. And then we kind of worked our way, um, you know, down south and out west. Very cool. Very cool. No, yeah, it makes makes total sense. And I'm sure it's a lot a lot of a lot of dense areas, a little more mm-hmm. little more money in the system out there and yeah, it's 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 very smart. The other thing I would say that's that's really slick about the permagreen is they you have the capabilities of getting just a an extension on the back of your truck hitch. And so mm-hmm. you can just drive the permagreen right up there and not even have an extra trailer. So you put all of your granular product in the back. Even if you have a bulk tank, you can continually refill the permagrain and then backing it on and off is really, really simple. So you're reducing gas costs. You don't have the extra equipment expense of the trailer and just very, very efficient. And I'm sure, I mean, I don't doubt anybody has a study on this, but I'm sure it's gonna reduce you know, accidents. So it's going to increase safety, reduce accidents because you're not having to back up the trailer or make those frequent left-hand turns with the trailer. So I love that, just the accessibility of, of neighborhoods and the extra safety with it. Yeah, and again, yeah, not having to haul around a, a large trailer. I mean, as a lot of lawn care guys know, I mean, sometimes, a lot of times, uh, parking is, is hard to come by and it's at a premium there. So you know, going by, back to that compact design, uh, being the goal and having that, uh, that carrier rack behind there and keeping everything nice and compact. I mean, we, we had a setup at uh, Purple Green Lawn Care Company where it was just a, uh, a cargo van, or like a sprinter van, uh, where we were able to, you know, put the, uh, put the Purple Green into the, the side door with some ramps. And we had a 125 gallon tank in there, and then we were still able to put, you know, 20, 30 bags of fertilizer all in this nice, nice tight setup. It was nice and clean and closed, yeah. and um, just it just helped us keep more nimble out there. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It it does seem like I like the word nimble, and it does seem like there's just plenty of room for creativity and flexibility within your own company and how how you want to set it up with the permagrain. So, well, man, Dan, I, I really, really do appreciate you sharing both, both permagrain stories, mm-hmm. your personal story, and a lot about the, the permagrain product and, and the triumph in particular. So it, I want to give you a chance here. If guys want to reach out and ask questions, purchase a permagrain or do test drives, where, where's the easiest spot to engage with permagrain right now? Well, I can always be reached out. Uh, we do go through a, a dealer network um, in regards to selling our machines. We work with uh, Type 1 Landscape Supply. Uh, Ewing Irrigation is another one of our dealers. Uh, and then Central Turf and Irrigation is a uh, uh, more common out on the East Coast and Midwest, but a, a bigger dealer. Uh, but if uh, your listeners wanted to reach out to me, you know, I can help facilitate that, you know, get in touch with the dealers and set up a demo with the machine, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as uh, email works, I'm dan at permagreen.com. If anybody wants to shoot me an email, uh, I can definitely help them out that way. 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, guys, go go and, and shoot Dan an email. Just tell him thanks for his information and ask him about the products and reach out to your local Site One dealer. I mean, the guys here locally, we have three within an hour's drive of where I sit right now. And each location, the, the general managers there and the team are all really, really helpful. And we, we've had it where they'll even bring equipment out to you, let you do on-site testing of it. So go test out one of their pieces of equipment at a site one. And again, Dan, I, I appreciate your expertise and your willingness to share your story, my friend. All right. I appreciate you having me on and, you know, the feeling was mutual and it was a pleasure talking with you. Hey, you too, my friend. Enjoy the continued work from home status and uh, the time the time with Renee and your two kids, my man. I appreciate it, Britt. You have a good one. All right. Take it easy. Hey, guys, that is a wrap on yet another episode of the Lawn Care Leaders podcast. Thanks again for letting us hang out with you. And we appreciate you hanging out with us. Please subscribe leave us a rating and review. And if you found this at all helpful, please help us by sharing the podcast. And uh, we wish that you would continue this conversation. If you want to chat it up about some topic that happened, or maybe you have further questions, you can find us over on Instagram, Facebook. Um, We're going to be posting YouTube and uh, LinkedIn content as well. So you can find us on almost any platform. And if you'd like to further uh, grow your business or find out more information about Intentional Growth Advisors or one of our other show sponsors, feel free to click the link in the show notes and you can see those there. Again, guys, thank you so much for joining us and we will be back with you again shortly.